USA.com for details. The way we spend our time defines who we are. You're listening to Ariva Martin. ABLA Talk 15. You are listening to Ariva Martin in real time, and I'm your host, Ariva Martin. And I got a note from my producer that my good friend, Congress member Robert Garcia, is on the line. Hello, Congress member. I am fantastic. I know that you are just minutes away from walking into the Capitol, attending your first State of the Union address as a new Congress member from California. I have to ask you, how does it feel? No, I mean, it's uh, it's really exciting. Obviously, um, there's people here from across the country that have been invited guests. Uh, Might be having some. Some technical difficulties with the Congress member. I'm going to see if my team can work that out. In the meantime, I'm going to bring in my panel of experts. I'm joined today with Los Angeles Times columnist uh, Gustavo Ariano, and also joining me is a professor from the University of Central Florida, Professor Larry Walker. They are here to help us break down all the trending news today. Uh, let me know, uh, Andy, when we can get the congressman back on, because I do want to talk to him about what it feels like to be in those chambers, all the excitement I know that must be going on. Uh, in an hour or so, Gustavo Biden is going to stand in front of a podium and give the State of the Union, the first time he's given the union with Kevin McCarthy sitting behind him. So what do you think? Uh, what is that going to feel like if you could put yourself in the, the, the you know, the suit of Joe Biden, knowing that Kevin is sta- staring at your back? What do you think that's going to feel like? Oh, he's, he's going to throw so much shade at him because you have, you know, the numbers, the new numbers showing a huge increase in job gains. People are saying that, you know, inflation is going to be coming down in the next couple of months. Biden's going to, of course, try to spin everything. And McCarthy and the Republicans are going to try to say, no, he's the evil one. He allowed this balloon from China to sail over the United States. Never mind that this also happened within the Trump administration. So you are going to see, I think, a triumphant Biden. He's not going to be bragging the way Trump did, the way W did, the way other presidents did, because there's still a lot of stuff. And, you know, most importantly, of course, there is the issue of police brutality that's literally going to be inside the U.S. Capitol chambers. So but I still think you're going to get that old, confident Joe back with the smiles and the malarkey and all that. (laughs) Well, uh, Larry, we know that the president has been spending uh, days. I, I had the privilege of sitting in on a briefing earlier today that was given by the White House. Uh, One of the senior aides to the president, as well as the second gentleman, was on the call and and just briefing supporters. And and no doubt, everybody knows I'm a big supporter of Joe Biden uh, about what we could expect tonight. What are you going to be looking for in this uh, state of the union that we know in many ways is more pomp and circumstance than substance? Yeah, usually they are. But I think that, you know, from what I've heard, you know, I'm not a former congressional staffer. The president is going to talk about some policy issues. So my colleague just talked about the issue related to police brutality. So I think that you've Larry, heard him. Let me time. have you hold that thought. I'm told that sure. we got the congressman back. Hello, Congressman Garcia. Okay, I was still we had him back. Uh, okay, we're gonna keep working on that. We definitely want him uh, 
We want to get that impression from him. I want to get his firsthand account of what that energy is like in the room. Uh, so production team, when he's there, let me know, because we're going to cut to him right away because it's important to hear what he has to say. Go ahead, Larry. We're going to let you finish your response. Yeah, so yeah, can you hear me okay? Oh, okay, I think we can. Yes. Thank you, Larry, okay. for being so patient. Hey, no uh, Congressman Garcia, how are you? I'm good. Sorry, but we were uh, having a little connection issue there, but I'm doing great. How are you doing? No problem. Well, first of all, congratulations. I don't know if I've seen you since you uh, were elected into Congress. I'm still thinking of you as Mayor Garcia, but I just wanted to take a couple of minutes of your time. I know you're running into the sure. Capitol. I know you've got to get your seat. You've got to settle in. But what is the energy like at the Capitol as everyone prepares for this State of the Union? I mean, the, the, the energy is, is exciting. I mean, everyone's really um, just grateful to be here. Of course, you have uh, on the Democratic side, uh, we're really united uh, behind the president. Just want to ensure that we hear kind of how we're going to move the country forward in these next uh, couple of years. Um, and there's people here from across the country. So all the members of Congress have different guests that are here. And so people have flown in. And so it's definitely electric. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of security as it should be. It's an important moment. A lot of dignitaries will be on the floor tonight. But we're we're ready to hear what's next for the Biden-Harris administration. I think mean, that's what's really key tonight. What do you make, Congressman, of the fact that that ABC poll that came out just a day ago, maybe even yesterday, that has the president and the vice president's rating so low, but we know that he has achieved so much in these two years. Is it a messaging problem? Are the Democrats not doing a good enough job of getting out what the president and vice president have accomplished in two years? I mean, I think it's a couple of things. I think first, I think we're we're at the point now where the country is so polarized that mm -hmm. I think polling is it's really difficult to capture really where the country's at on any given day. I think that folks are, we're living in this era of like uh, untruths and, and, and facts being attacked and science being attacked, which is very hard sometimes to get a message to, 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 the, to the country. But I also think that, you know, as we know, you know, polling is, is fluid and, and there's snapshots in time. Uh, the president, if you go back a month ago, is doing much better in polling. He might you know, be much better doing better tomorrow for all we know. And so I think pollings are snapshots in time to give us an idea of where things are at. But you know who's doing worse in polling than, uh, than the president is uh, the Republican members of Congress and, and Kevin McCarthy. So I think that at the end of the day, um, it's, it's a tough time to, to be the president of this country. We're pulling out of a pandemic. We're in recovery. We're, inflation is, is real for American families. And so um, I think the president and the vice president are doing the best they can. I think it's going to be a good year for them as we push back against uh, kind of this, you know, clown car mentality in the Congress that, that Kevin McCarthy and others are, are, are moving forward. And it's going to be our job as Democrats, for those of us particularly freshmen coming in, to, you know, uplift the, the Biden-Harris administration and, and to really talk about what, what, what they're doing and, and kind of what the next steps are. And, and I'm glad to hear you say that because I think you're right. The polling is fluid and oftentimes, uh, you know, they're not talking to the same people that are going to the polls. And we know historically African-Americans and Latinos are not counted in some of the polls. So the, the numbers are, are often skewed. But we do know that there are even Democrats, Congressman, who have called for a new candidate to surface for 2024. Do you think there's anything that Biden needs to do to tamp down on any notion that there should be someone other than him running in 2024? Listen, I think different people are going to have their, you know, different ideas of who they want to see as president in the future. But they, the bottom line is President Biden is going to run again. He's going to uh, smash his way through the primaries. Everyone's going to unite behind him and the vice president. 
Um, and he will be our nominee. I think that's been made pretty clear. I think that we're going to get behind him. I think we're going to, what, the alternative is going to be uh, Donald Trump or an ultra conservative out of Florida, Ron DeSantis. And so um, once, once the contrast is clear, I think the president's going to be in great shape. And we should really focus on what the results are. And at the end of the day, unemployment at a 50-year low. Job creation is the highest it's been in any two-year period. Manufacturing is back in the United States. We have an infrastructure bill that the former president you know, couldn't get done. Donald Trump couldn't get done. So there's a lot to show for. But I do think that messaging, getting, getting the word out there as part of what tonight's about, he has an opportunity to really tell the country tonight that we've gotten a lot done and you know, the best is yet to come. Well, thank you so much, Congress Member Garcia. I know you have to run. I know you have to get in your seat. I'm going to be watching TV to see when the camera pans to see all of my California friends. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy to have you representing uh, California in Congress. And I know you got elected as the uh, president of your class. So go, uh, Robert Garcia. Glad to have you <laughs> on. You. And always good to see my friends doing big things. So again, thank you for joining me. Thanks so much. Bye. All right, Larry, you, you heard the uh, Congress members say, look, Biden is doing phenomenally well. We got record low unemployment. We got record creation of, of jobs. But I, I agree with him that polls aren't always accurate. But those polls, you know, they do inform the way some people, at least in the country, are thinking. So what do you think the president really has to do to overcome this sense that, hmm, maybe he's not the guy for 2024? Yeah, so I think there are a couple of things. The first thing I think is important, the congressman alluded to this, is you have to combat a lot of misinformation in today's society, whether it's social media or television, et cetera. So I think that's one of the challenges. And I think particularly what you saw him going out on the road, essentially, within the last couple of weeks and talking about a few issues. So let's talk about what has the Biden administration done over the last two years? So first of all, the congressman talked about this. We saw the jobs report, 517,000 jobs created. That is a massive number of, of jobs created in a very short period of time in terms of the January jobs report. And let's talk about the black community. We know that in terms of the unemployment rate dropped from 6.9% to 5.4%. And the Joint Center, uh, which is a think black think tank in DC, talked about that's a 21% drop. So that's a significant number. Now we know racial disparities still exist and we have to address those. But that's a, a, a tremendous drop in unemployment rate in the Black community. The other thing I want to talk about is the infrastructure bill. So once again, President Biden is going out, out and, you know, I guess you can say, kind of say, kind of getting a preview of what you'll see mm -hmm. in terms of running for, for re-election. But he's going to places. Uh, we talk, You saw him with, with um, Senator McConnell uh, a week or two ago. He's going out on a bipartisan basis for an infrastructure bill that was bipartisan to talk about the uh, an enormous amount of money in terms of roads um, and um, all these other issues that um, bridges, et cetera, that are critically important in the United States. Let's also highlight the um, Inflation Reduction Act, which helped with issues relating to prescription drug, lowering prescription drug costs. So there's a number of significant things that the president can point to and say that I made these things happen. And often many of these were on a bipartisan basis. Yeah, and I think there is, there's some disconnect. Everything you just said, Larry, is absolutely positively true. Everything the Congress member said is absolutely positively true. But Gustavo, where is the disconnect? Because you had that ABC poll. There was also some polling recently that said Americans feel like they're doing worse off financially now 
than they were even a couple of years ago. So yes, we can check all these boxes of these wonderful things that the Biden administration has done, the Biden-Harris administration, but where is this big disconnect? The insiders, those of us that you know study politics and huh. read the newspaper every day, we know it, but why isn't this translating? I mean, that's the issue. The insiders, we live in a different world. We really do. And for us, things have been okay, if not even better. Some people have ended up, but you talk to people on the street. I mean, look, here in Cal Southern California, we all know where the prices are going with natural gas, with gas for cars, with eggs. There's an eggs. egg shortage for crying <laughs> out loud. So little things like that. And look, you could have all these stats, the Biden administration, and they're real. And I and I do think he's always been unfairly in the sense he has made some gains, especially coming out of the pandemic, which is a, what, once every couple of generational things like it's hard to get out of that. But the fact is, a lot of people are still living in the with the repercussions of that. And we're also getting over this thing that killed. Gosh, I can't even, I don't even know what the number is, at least over a million people, just a mirror. Mm -hmm. So many people still suffering of it. So many people suffering from all of that. There's a lot of malaise out there. And I think this is where Biden needs to give one of those speeches that is going to you know, remind people, this is why we elected you. This is his possibility of I don't know if I mean, he does want to get people together, but at the very least for the people who still don't think of him as like, you know, so this evil communist, at least say, hey, folks, I got your back. We're going to get to a better place. We've gone through a lot, but we're going to get to a better place. And this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, definitely. He's got, I think, a lot of convincing to do. You know, you know it. I know it. Larry knows it. But I think the average American is watching the State of the Union tonight is going to want to be reassured that things yeah. like egg prices and gas prices are going to be uh, coming down. They're going to be reasonable. I, I, look, I went to the uh, gas station the other day, spent over $100 and was shocked because I was noticing that several weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, gas prices were much lower and they started to creep back up. And there wasn't the, you know, the media attention paid to the fact that gas prices were going uh, back up, but they, they, you know, they've been creeping up a little, which gives everyone, I think, a uh, pause and, and concern. What do you think, Larry? Biden has been uh, under investigation. It's kind of a, you know, a, he's he's uh, agreed to have his home searched by the DOJ, but there is a new special counsel investigation into his mishandling of classified documents. Now, clearly, it did not take a year of the, uh, you know, Department of Justice or the, you know, Washington Archive, you know, the Wash, you know, Washington bureaucrats asking for presidential documents to be returned. It didn't take the FBI having to go in and raid his home the way we saw with Trump. So there are some substantive differences in the way that the documents that Trump took with him out the White House uh, in the way that we know Biden has discovered some classified documents at his home and at his one of his offices. But for some people, all they see is Trump has a special uh, counsel investigating him and Biden has a special counsel investigating him. So they just say, hey, apples to apples. How important do you think that's going to be tonight uh, as people are listening to the State of the Union? Yeah, so I think that's an important question. So I don't think you hear him mention this at all. I don't think you hear him any, mention anything about a special counsel or anything relating to um, these classified documents. So let me say a couple things. 
I mentioned, you know, earlier, I'm a former congressional staffer. If I had any classified documents, you would not be able to find me. Let's be clear. That's uh-huh. that's one. <laughs> so secondly, there is a huge distinction between what happened with President Biden and his lawyers finding these documents and President Trump, who purposely lied, his attorneys lied, he mm-hmm. lied. And that's why the um, National Archives had to let the FBI know about had to raise their concerns. And that's why the FBI had to. And it's not even a raid, right? They went and got the documents that belong to the federal government. The other thing I want to highlight is, let's not forget, let's not let, let former Vice President Pence off the hook. So what you saw with Vice, former Vice President Pence and current President Biden is very similar. Now, those are apples to apples. Both of them individuals, not really them, but their staffers, individuals involved and in, in, in working for them found these documents and alerted authorities. That's the way this is supposed to be done. President Trump, on the other hand, has very clearly said, these are my documents. Just but like he talked about minute, Larry, the military it, being his military. Is, is Joe Biden's appointee, Merrick Garland, who jumped out there, and in my opinion, prematurely said, I'm going to treat them apples to apples. He could have easily said, look, we're the Department of Justice. We're completely capable of handling anything that has to do with President Biden since he's cooperating, since he's letting us come into his home, his garage, his offices. But it's his appointee that said he needs a special or this situation requires a special counsel. I've I've contended from gate that Merrick Garland was one of the worst appointments ever that Joe Biden made, that he he was he's probably a fabulous judge and should have stayed on the bench and may have been a fabulous Supreme Court justice had the Republicans not blocked him. But he, I think he's been a horrible uh, attorney general. He seems to kowtow to the Republicans. He seems to be so careful, trying to be so careful to give this appearance of fairness that I think he totally overreacted in the situation. What, what, what's your take, Gustavo? Did, did Biden need a special counsel given that he was cooperating with the FBI, with the Department of Justice, with the National Archives. This is the problem with the Biden administration and a lot of his appointees is that they try to please people who are not going to be pleased, Republicans. And it's kind of like in journalism where you go so far to try to appear to be objective that everyone sees right through you and you mess it up for your own party. So what Biden did is the same thing that what Pence did and what they did is like, Mistakes happen. None of us are perfect. Heaven knows politicians are perfect. What Trump Mm -hmm. did is flat out, you know, obnoxious and belligerent. And Garland should have treated it as such. And Garland, yeah, you see these things happening again and again. And you want to talk about appearances. I mean, I still can't believe he was actually supposed to be a Supreme Court justice because he (laughs) seems so meek. I understand you're supposed to be objective when it comes to if you're a justice, you're supposed to be objective. But if you're an attorney general, oh, you got to come. Be a prosecutor. That's Guns a of Navron style. <laughs> Can I? Uh, I want to add something really here. I think it's important in terms of having this car- conversation about uh, Garland. And I will. I, I will admit his 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 demeanor in press conferences is quite laid back. Uh, <laughs> but I think <laughs> that's so important. generous of you, Ari. I'm just. I'm trying to be kind here. You never know. I want to make friends, not enemies. So um, it's really important to highlight that the, the DOJ is supposed to be nonpartisan. So I think when he, in terms of you know uh, choosing a special counsel. This is what you call um, protecting your back, so to speak. Being a deal, be, being attorney general, it, it, it's it's political, but you're supposed to be nonpartisan. Let's also keep in mind, the attorney general is supposed to have a term of about six years, so it's supposed to cross administrations. Well, hopefully, mm-hmm. cross administrations. But choosing a special counsel, from his perspective, 
is smart politics. But you're right. You're not going to please everyone. But, this is a very partisan environment. Way. Yes, you're supposed to be nonpartisan, but you are the top cop in the country and you have a team of prosecutors and you are supposed to be able to discern when a case needs a special counsel when it doesn't when there's a crime being committed and when there's not a crime and clearly there's nothing in the situation with joe biden that would rise to the level of any kind of criminal uh, activity or behavior that would justify this level of scrutiny uh, we're going to talk about this investigation uh, era that the Republicans say we're about to begin as they have taken control of Congress and they're going after the Homeland Security uh, Secretary saying they want to impeach him. Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580 News, Sports and Traffic up next. Arriva time is the right time. More of Arriva Martin in real time when we come forward. forward. present. Let's get back to more of Aretha Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. You are listening to Aretha Martin in real time. I'm your host, Aretha Martin, and we are tracking the latest news and bringing you expert analysis and unfiltered opinions. I'm joined today by my uh, contributors, Gustavo Ariano. He is an LA Times columnist and Dr. Larry Walker is a professor uh, in Florida. And we've been talking some about Florida because when you think about who's going to be running in 2024, Professor Dr. Larry Walker, uh, your governor, <laughs> DeSantis, his name comes up over and over again as being the person that could beat Donald Trump. Uh, what are you all thinking in Florida about DeSantis and him running for president and, and the chances of him being able to galvanize the base that's been so loyal to Trump, that Republican base? Yeah, so... We Obviously, he's been raising money for more than a year now. He's raised millions of dollars and millions of dollars in terms of the, his war chest. But I, my personal opinion, you know, I think that President Trump and DeSantis are going to kind of cancel each other out. Or as I described people, someone recently, they're going to cannibalize each other. Right. They're going to come after each other. And you have already seen the silent war, a bit of a silent war uh, up until the last couple of weeks when they've been both mention each other specifically mm -hmm. in their in their conversations and speeches but i think that it, it is it is likely that trump still wins the presidency strictly because he already has served the as presidency president. as in beats joe biden well i'm sorry let me sorry let me let me let me let me, let me let me clarify that i misspoke win the Republican nomination. Let me let me offer some clarification. I know people are panicking right now. So <laughs> let me just let me let me let me step thank no. you thank you for a moment of clarification. <sighs> I think Trump still wins the nomination because once again prior income being an income uh, well he's former president. Obviously President Biden is president now, but I think that that still works into his advantage. And I think that also because of the platform he's had now he doesn't have a social media platform. But he still has the ability to go to certain individuals to raise money. And if you look at the poll numbers, the Sanders has closed the gap there. But I think we get closer to 2020 next year. I think you'll see that gap between him and President, um, former President Trump. I think you'll see that gap widen, in my opinion. Gustavo, th there is a new book out from one of the former prosecutors who was in the New York District Attorney's office. He was investigating Donald Trump and the, the many ways that Donald Trump uh, perhaps had committed a crime. And he said that Donald Trump's entire empire was built on lies. We know that Donald Trump is being investigated by the uh, district attorney in Georgia for 
uh, violating their voting laws, uh, for trying to pressure those voting officials in Georgia to find him those 11,000 votes. We know that there is this special counsel looking at him, removing those records, intentionally removing those confidential presidential records from the White House. With all of these legal issues hanging over former President Trump and, and folks coming out like this prosecutor saying, look, I got the goods, I got the evidence, I saw it firsthand. How is it that Trump could still beat DeSantis in a Republican primary? And what because do you make? If, and as you think about that, think about Pence, think about Nikki Haley, and think about Mike Pompeo. What the problem that all of those candidates have is that if they just go for the base, in other words, the rock rib conservatives, they're not they're going to cannibalize off of each other. And uh, just like Larry said, Dr. Larry said, and um, they and Trump, I still think Trump gets the majority of it. I think what DeSantis. Haley, Pompeo, I, no one cares about Pompeo. Maybe Pence, because he could go for the evangelical base, which is still very prominent. And they would rather go for a true evangelical like Pence than someone like Trump. But they have to reach out to the disaffected conservatives who want nothing to do with Trump. And they also have to get some of those, whatever you want to call them, Reagan Democrats, Trump Democrats, whatever. But the people who left Trump once Joe Biden came into office are now are not happy with Biden. But that's a problem. I don't any of them want to do that. DeSantis would probably be the best one because Florida does. You know, it is a red state, but it has big pockets of blue. But no, he has he has called himself uh, the head of the state where woke went to die. That's not how it goes. That's woke not how you're going to get other to people. die. Uh, LGBTQ community goes yeah. to die. Black history Ethnic goes studies. To yeah. Die. Yeah. Everything dies in for Disney. Yeah, no, Dr. all of this. Walker. So <laughs> no one's gonna, no one's gonna out Trump. Trump. That that's what they're gonna face, and that's the thing. Uh, Trump has lost a popular vote twice, and he lost, you know, one one because of electoral college, and the other one lost it. But do you really want to Trump out Trump Trump? That's not that's not a winning equation. Well, we heard the congressman member, Congressman uh, Robert Garcia, say that there's no one unpop as unpopular as congressional Republicans. And we know that they have vowed to just investigate the United States government. They're going to investigate the FBI, all of law enforcement, all of federal law enforcement. And they're going after the Homeland Security Secretary. I mean, they, they vowed to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, claiming that he has lied about the border being secure, uh, saying that he's unfit to serve as the Homeland Security uh, Secretary, what do you make, uh, Larry, of this, this, you know, this ad, uh, this recipe? What I think is a recipe for formula uh, of a formula for failure by the Republicans, but they are dead set on all of these investigations, and particularly as it relates to the border and the immigration crisis. Do you think this is a winning formula? Is this going to help them in the polls in twenty twenty four? No, and and they're behind. That's why they didn't had the kind of gains they expected just a few weeks ago. So let's, I think there are a few things that are really important. Listen, the Secretary of Homeland Security is low-hanging fruit. Most Americans don't even know who that is. So <laughs> that's just a bad political policy. The other thing is- But, but let me stop you. They may not know who he is, but they keep feeding their base this notion that all of these immigrants are coming into the country, they're flooding the country and they're taking benefits away from hardworking Americans. So he's become like the boogeyman, even though you may not know his name. Yeah. yeah and, and, and that's, I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good point. 
But focusing on someone, like I said, that most people can't even recognize, I don't think it's, it's a winning strategy. The topic itself, the issue itself, is something that Republicans have been talking about for decades. So this idea that the Amer- America is being invaded, air quotes, is, is something that's not new. It's, it's, it's um, more in terms of racial identity politics. It's not, it's not anything new. But I think there's a couple things that are really important. He's only been on the job for about a year. I think that's the first thing. So he didn't even have time <laughs> to breathe. Who cares about right? his that, furniture, <laughs> his, They his want furniture. you to come in and change the world in a day. Listen, his furniture is not even that old. So I think that's <laughs> one of the important things to keep in mind. I think the other thing as it relates to this particular issue is there's been failed Republican and Democrat policies as it comes to immigration. We can solve the immigration issue, including as you know, you hear people with Democrats and Republicans talk about uh, securing the border and have a, um, a fair immigration policy for those who are already here who are undocumented. If Republicans wanted to, this is once mm. again, it's been going on for decades, but once again, they have to appeal to their base and those who care about identity politics instead of focusing what's important for Americans. Gustavo, real quickly, do you think Biden should hit the immigration note hard in tonight's State of the Union? He's not going to touch it. No, he's not going to touch it with a 10 foot pole. No one does. I mean, I I maintain and I told this to my liberal friends back in the 2000s, the best person that you could possibly have to try to pass any sort of amnesty was George W. Bush. He was a border president. He was a head of tech. You know, the, the governor of Texas, his uh, uh, his nieces are uh, half Mexican because his sister in law is a uh, Mexicana. And of course, the Republicans sabotage that. They're like, no, it's amnesty, blah, 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 blah. So Biden say anything. Uh, sadly, by well, Biden will probably talk about the border, but he's not going to plead again. Going back to what I said earlier, he's not going to please Republicans and he's only going to anger Democrats. So if Biden was smart, he'd be away from it as all. Well victories there has been no victories at the border at all yeah unfortunately they gave that portfolio to my good friend our vice president kamala harris and it's just a a problem that is not solvable because there's not the will to solve it not because it's impossible to solve but we don't have the will in this country to solve it and too many people benefit from immigrants, but yet they also want to use them as the target of their vitriol Uh, when we come forward we're going to talk about uh what other topics biden should stay away from in the state of the union is coming on tonight at 8 p.m est stay with us kbla talk 1580 she's the real deal in real time you're listening to Ariva martin in real time on kbla talk 1580 the way we spend our time defines who we are you're listening to Ariva martin in real time on kbla talk 1580 I'm back and I'm joined today in this first hour by Doc. Well, joined with Dr. Larry Walker. He is a professor at the University of Central Florida and LA columnist Gustavo Ariano. And we've been tracking the latest news. And the biggest news of the evening is the State of the Union, which is going to take place uh, in just a couple of minutes. We were talking about immigration being a topic that Joe Biden would probably stay away from. Uh, any other predictions about topics that aren't likely to come up in tonight's State of the Union? What, what are you thinking, Larry, about that? Well, I don't know about topics that won't, but I'll tell you one topic that I, I think whatever heard he needs that is controversial, but he needs to talk about, and that's police reform. So we never, you know, we didn't get passage of the George Floyd Policing Act, but like I said, we uh, we saw recently uh, Vice President Harris at the, uh, the funeral. But I think he's, even though it's a controversial topic, and a lot of Americans don't want to hear about it, he's going to talk about it, and he must talk about it 
because it's an issue we know as African-Americans and, um, you know, uh, from a Latino, Latino community. This is decades of issues relating to police brutality and misconduct. So people won't, won't want to hear about it, but he is going to talk about it. How does he do that, Gustavo, without going back, you know, where we were a year ago when everybody was like, defund the police, defund the police, and Democrats were running around with their hair on fire, <laughs> and Clyburn was admonishing everyone uh, to stop using the sloganism, as he called it, you know. So how does the president talk about police reform without getting that defund jacket that Democrats thought was, you know, so detrimental? probably going to say what he said in the past, that we need more oversight, that we need more laws, that we need to, you know, he's going to give a shout out to police. He's not anti-police. So he's going to say something about, oh, you know, probably not use the cliche of bad apples, but basically say, look, like he's probably going to argue that in this case, the justice system, well, they haven't been convicted. They've been charged, so they haven't been convicted or anything. But he'll say that law enforcement is doing or justice is doing what it's supposed to do. And to we just need to be monitoring more than anything. That's not going to again. He's not going to please anyone tonight. He, that's what that's my prediction. He's just not going to please anyone, although he's going to try. And I think it's unfair if people are going to be harsher on him that they should. Yeah, I think the reform language without some concrete things other than training on implicit bias and you know, more funding for the police so they can do community policing. Some of those things that people have said, we heard these things over and over and over again. We heard them after George Floyd. And now here we are with Tyree Nichols. So I, I, you're right, Gustavo. He's not going to please anyone when he talks about police reform. He's definitely not going to please anyone when he talks about immigration reform. Uh, maybe he'll uh, please middle class uh, people when he talks about raising the taxes or raising taxes on the wealthy and making sure that Social Security and Medicare are not cut because we've heard a lot of rumblings from the Republicans that they want to reduce the deficit by cutting Social Security and Medicare. And I know from my uh, preview uh, call that I was on earlier, the president's going to be adamant about not making cuts to Social Security and Medicare. And in fact, he's going to talk about increasing resources and benefits to those in in need how, how will that go over larry when he starts talking about raising taxes taxes can be one of those issues that can cause someone to win or lose in a big election it depends on how he frames it for instance he can make the argument that we cut taxes for the rich during the trump administration and it increased the debt <laughs> mm -hmm. so i think he, you have to be very very clear so if we cut taxes we're cutting taxes for middle class and underserved Americans, just like they did with child tech, uh, child care tax credit. We saw a correlation between that and the drop in the poverty rate in the United States. So he's got to be very concrete in the language he, he's using, and hopefully his speech writers get it right tonight. Well, inside information, you're going to hear a lot about that child tax credit tonight. That's a big part <laughs> of the Biden administration. Hey, before I let you all go, i got to play a little State of the Union Jeopardy with. You got to ask you a couple of questions, see how up you are on your State of the Union. First question, which president first used the word abortion in their State of the Union address? Oh, Carter? Clinton? No. <laughs> Both of no. you got that wrong. What? Ronald okay. Reagan, 1984. Ronald Reagan. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Which president yeah. first used the word astronaut in their State of the Union? Kennedy Johnson. No, come on, guys. Kennedy, Kennedy? Eisenhower, 1960. Eisenhower. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, Which so, president first used the word loser 
<laughs> it has to be Trump. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm gonna I give you a pass Trump. on that because that was my guess, but I was wrong. You're wrong. It was actually Richard Nixon in 1971. Yeah, okay. he was talking about uh, himself then, I guess. <laughs> absolutely, first president to use the term bioterrorism. Bush Jr. Okay. Yeah, you, you beat all me right. to it. Bush, all right. Last I was going to say Teddy Roosevelt. This is an easy one. This is just, it's got, you guys will hit this right out the park. First president to use the term transgender. Biden. No, Obama. 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 Okay. Obama, please. <laughs> yeah, Obama, yeah. And that was in 2015. Obama wow. used the term transgender. I find the State of the Union so fascinating because, as we know, it's, it's a lot of pomp and circumstance. Yeah. A lot of people watch it just to see the reactions of the you know, Congress people, their, their faces and who's smiling and who's frowning, right. who's falling asleep. You know, who stands up and claps, who sits there with a, you know, a, a frown on their face. And it's going to be interesting because the last State of the Union, we had two women, first time in history, sitting behind uh, the president, as he gave that speech, uh, that Diaz is going to look a little different tonight. And Kevin McCarthy, any predictions about uh, is he going to stand up and clap? And if so, what issue? I don't think he stands up uh, at all unless, like we said, he brings up something immigration and, and takes a far right, which I don't think is happening. So I think that overall you cannot expect McCarthy to stand up because if he does, he's going to look weak in, his, in terms of his caucus. He stands so up the when they night, come in. He says he doesn't stand on anything, like even when he talks about veterans or things that typically Republicans nah, agree on. No, nah. because if he does, though, some of his people in his own caucus will use it against him that very same night. What I, about I, heckling? We've seen some presidents, Obama and even Biden last year, get heckled. Any predictions, uh, Gustavo, on heckling? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, I That's think there's an over under on her. How many times <laughs> she heckles? Not. Whether she heckles. <laughs> okay, right. our bets are on Marjorie Taylor Greene and how many times. I want to thank both of you. Thank you so much, Gustavo uh, Ariano, LA Times columnist. Make sure you check out his column. And thank you to Dr. Larry Walker. He is a professor at the University of Central Florida. We're not holding that against him tonight. <laughs> <laughs> He's not responsible that. for the ridiculous <laughs> uh, politics of his governor. Uh, he is, uh, what'd you tell me? You are a part of the resistance. Movement. Part of the resistance, yeah. Part of the resistance, and we love it. I want to thank you both for joining me uh, in this hour and helping us play State of the Union Jeopardy. Uh, go study some of those terms used by the presidents <laughs> in those State of the Unions. So when I have you back, you'll get more of those questions correct. But again, thanks to you. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we're going to be talking more about the State of the Union. I got a, a political comedian coming on to help us make uh, light of this, to have some levity with respect to the State of the Union, then a veteran uh, political analyst talking about the importance of the guests that have been invited. Uh, news, traffic, and sports up next, KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica. ...to adjustable coverages and even payment options. Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need. 
Quote today in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Is this the This is the KBLA Sports Minute with Ray Richardson. Ray Richardson. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the captain, will be at tonight's Lakers game to congratulate LeBron James if he becomes the NBA's all-time scoring leader. Jabbar has held the scoring record since 1984. LeBron needs 36 points against Oklahoma City to pass Jabbar and reach another level of greatness in his 20-year career. Congratulations to Brian Flores. He's the new defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. A year ago during Super Bowl week here in L.A., Flores filed an eye-opening lawsuit against the NFL for unfair hiring practices involving black head coaches. No debates, no speculation, just the info you need. That's your KBLA Sports Minute. I'm Ray Richardson. This sports report was brought to you by Original Taco Pete's. This is Aaron at Original Taco Pete's. Let us cater your Super Bowl party and future event. Call 323-348-4441 and visit us at 3272 West Slauson off Crenshaw. What we're going to do right here is go battle back. KBLA Talk 1580 is turning up the frequency in Black History Month. Be on the lookout for some familiar faces as the Metro K-Line is currently wrapped in KBLA Talk 1580. Make sure you visit the KBLA Talk 1580 online store now open for business with all kinds of fresh merch. Don't miss a single episode of The Motivator, Les Brown's month-long radio residency. You've got to be hungry. Weekdays at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. And afternoons just got real. Real people, real talk, real issues, real solutions. Be sure to check out Ariva Martin in real time on your way home weekday afternoons from 4 to 6. Turning up the frequency all Black History Month long. We're unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580 and we don't black down. The death toll continues to rise as Turkey is rocked by a 7.8 earthquake. That earthquake ripped through this country and 7,100 people uh, have been determined to have died as a result of this earthquake. And those numbers just keep rising. And the cold temperatures in that country are preventing search teams from finding additional people. Uh, we are monitoring what happens. Our, our prayers and thoughts go out to all the families who've lost their lives and, and just hoping that uh, those numbers uh, level off and that more people aren't are found dead as a result of this earthquake. We're also tracking in the news today this ongoing tension that's evolving between the U.S. and the Chinese over the U.S. shooting down that spy balloon that was spotted over the state of Montana. Uh, some states like Texas are saying, look, the Chinese pose a risk to us and we should not allow them to even purchase land in our state. That's what the governor of Texas is saying. Democrats in that state are pushing back, saying this is just anti-Chinese uh, discrimination. Also, we're tracking the officers, the officers involved in the beating of Tyree Nichols. One of those officers, Demetrius Haley, this ex-officer, let, let me be clear about this. This ex-officer sent a photograph of Mr. Nichols as he took this picture on his personal cell phone as Mr. Nichols was sitting down, dying literally from this beating he had taken by these five officers. And this Haley guy took a picture of him and sent it out to five or six people, including a female acquaintance. So they're calling it a female acquaintance. Online, people are calling it some ex-girlfriend or baby mom or, or somebody. But the point is, what level of, of inhumanity must you have that you're taking a picture of someone who's been brutally beaten and sending it around? Not only is the violation of police policy, it, it's just outright inhumane. 
Uh, we're also tracking the biggest news of the night. The State of the Union is happening right now. Uh, Joe Biden is giving his first State of the Union with a Congress that is controlled by Republicans. So you won't see Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris sitting behind the president as he gives the State of the Union. You'll see uh, Vice President Harris sitting next to Kevin McCarthy, who is the leader of the House because the Republicans have this very narrow majority. So we're going to be tracking throughout this hour what Joe Biden says and what he doesn't say during this State of the Union. We're also going to be talking uh, in this hour about the guests. The guest list for uh, the First Lady Jill Biden has been released, and there's some interesting people on that list. We're going to talk about what does it mean uh, for you to be invited to the State of the Union? Why are certain people chosen to be guests of the First Lady? Does it you know, tell us anything about what the president is going to talk about? Uh, and how did he choose some of the guests that are joining the First Lady in her box today? So we're going to be tracking all the news as it relates to the State of the Union, obviously tracking this uh, horrific story that's, that's happening in Turkey. Uh, you are listening to Ariva Martin in real time. I'm your host, Ariva Martin. And in this hour, uh, post a comment. You can listen to the show. You can watch the show on YouTube. You can download the KBLA app. Post a comment on our YouTube page, and we're going to take your questions. I am joined in this hour by veteran political analyst Robert Shrum. He has been around the block. Not that he's old. He's just super, ah. super experienced. And I'm also joined later in the hour by a political comedian that's going to help us make sense of, of all the politics that's happening. Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. She's the real deal. In real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. USA.com for details. There's no time like the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. This is the second hour of Ariva Martin in real time, and I'm your host, Ariva Martin, and we are tracking all of the latest news today and bringing you updates. And of course, there is no bigger story than the State of the Union. Yes, this is President Joe Biden's second State of the Union, and it's going to look a little different this time. If you have a question, you have a comment, post it on our YouTube page, download the KBLA app and join the conversation because we have lots to talk about. I am joined in the second hour of the show uh, my good friend, political analyst, Robert Shrum. He's the director over at USC Center for Political Future. Uh, he's been at this game a while. Welcome to the show, Bob. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be how here with you. presidents, Bob, tell us, without dating yourself, tell us how many presidents have you either worked for or, you know, given commentary on? Just, just go, how far does your political career, political career go back? Uh... Well, it doesn't go back to George Washington. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, really 1970, uh, 70, 71. Okay. And who was president? Uh, uh, Nixon. And I certainly wasn't working for him. Okay. Uh, but, but you I, was, I was George McGovern's speechwriter in the 1972 campaign. Uh, okay. I was a kid. Uh, and, you know, maybe, you know, we had a campaign manager, Gary Hart, who was about 32 a pollster who was 21. So maybe that's why we lost 49 of 50 states. But I always say we didn't go to the White House, but at least we didn't go to jail. Oh, OK. I like that. That's a good way to think about it. And you look, you got all that incredible experience and you have been at this political game for a long time. So you're the person I want to talk to about what's happening tonight. Help us understand how do we get to this point where the 
State of the Union is this big production because I was doing my research today and historically this wasn't the way the State of the Union was delivered and technically it doesn't have to be done this way. There's nothing in the Constitution that says the president has to get on national television and you know have all this pomp and circumstance to deliver the State of the Union. So give us a little history lesson on the State of the Union. Well, from Thomas Jefferson on, uh, for the most part, uh, these the State of the Union was a document that was sent up to the Congress. The president didn't get up and give a speech. Abraham Lincoln never delivered a State of the Union message uh, in person. He just sent the paper up there. Uh, I think it's an inevitable product of the television age. Even when we started televising it, it was usually done at noon uh, on the day that was selected. Uh, President Kennedy, for example, all of his State of the Union messages were delivered at noon. Uh, And then as things moved on, people said, let's put this in prime time. Mm. Uh, It's become, uh, you know, it gets a lot of criticism from people saying, you know, what it's out. It's it's old fashioned. It doesn't fit the 21st century. Uh, But at times it's been very important for presidents. Uh, It was very important for Bill Clinton in 1998 because he delivered it about eight or nine days after the revelations about Monica Lewinsky. And Mm. it was really a test of whether or not uh, the Democrats, especially in Congress, were going to rally to him and whether he was going to be able to remain president of the United States. Uh, And he did a terrific job that night. uh, so this, so you're saying this could be used as an opportunity to salvage a presidency. So Bill Clinton was in hot water, didn't know what was going to happen after those revelations came out about Monica Lewinsky. He comes out, he delivers an incredible speech. I'm thinking of a second time Bill Clinton wasn't a state of the union, but Bill Clinton, you know, kind of saved Obama's second, uh, you know, that, that time when he was running for president the second time. So Bill Clinton has a history of giving these kind of you know, transformative speeches. Uh, let's talk about historically. Give us some of your top State of the Union speeches and some of those that you think have bombed. Well, uh, you know, President Kennedy's, uh, and it wasn't technically a State of the Union. He asked to address the Congress with a kind of, in, in April of 1961. And that's, of course, one of the most memorable speeches because that's where he said, we're going to put a man on the moon in this decade uh, and bring him safely back to Earth. Uh, today, you wouldn't say man, you'd say person. But in, in the language of those days, it was a, a man on the moon. So I, I think of that. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt, uh, mm. you know, his four freedom speech was incredibly powerful. And that was done in the context of the State of the Union. Uh, George W. Bush, I wouldn't put it on my list of best, but I put it on my list of most memorable, uh, advancing the case for war against Iraq, which was a disaster, and uh, not the speech, but the war. Uh, So, but most of these are forgettable because they tend to be laundry lists. You got every, I mean, I've been involved in, in several of them, and you got every cabinet secretary, every official in the government, saying, we got to get this line in, we got to get this line in, we have to put something in about this so help training. Us understand, Bob, uh, that's, that's something I didn't know. So you're great information. You're saying that the cabinet members play a role in what goes in the State of the Union. They're kind of lobbying the yeah, White House staff to get their issue included. Yes. And, and very often uh, they succeed. Uh, mm. they, they don't all succeed all the time 
or the speech would probably be two or two and a half hours long. It would, you know, rival one that Fidel Castro uh, <laughs> would have given. Uh, but so they can become forgettable because they can just be laundry lists, but they can also set a tone. And I think that's what you're going to see tonight. I think you're going to see Joe Biden is going to have an overall message. My bet is it's going to be not just we've done a lot, but it is going to be we've done a lot, but we have a lot more to do. And, and he's going to hold out an olive branch and say, let's try and do these things together. Now, do I have much hope that the Republicans will respond to that uh, and in a bipartisan way? No, because right now what they want more than anything else is for this presidency to fail. And it, it, Biden's in a very interesting situation because he has the most successful legislative record of any president uh, in right. a two-year period in, in six decades. Uh, but at the same time, the effects of that legislation haven't yet been felt by the American people. So people still say we're on the wrong track. Right. His approval rating is, you know, depending on what you believe, 42, 45, something right. like that. Uh, and I remind people because sometimes we lack a sense of history in having these discussions. At this point in 1983, Ronald Reagan's approval rating was 38%. Uh, he went <laughs> less than two years later, he won re-election with by carrying 59 states. Uh, that's not possible in today's world because we're so polarized. But as these programs roll out, the the, uh, infrastructure, the bipartisan money. Yeah, the infrastructure, states. manufacturing comes back. Uh, we, we begin to build our own chips here in America or manufacture our own chips. All of that's going to have an impact. And if inflation continues to go down, I'm amused today, by the way, Republicans are tweeting out like crazy about gas prices. Gas prices are coming down. They have come down. Uh, and yeah, somebody else. Was, for, what I've noticed is they came down and they start to creep back up a little. And a hopefully little. They're, they're going back down again. But clearly Biden cannot be blamed. And that's, again, just irritates me when people try to blame Biden for inflation. You know, it's a, a global issue that impacts the entire world, not just the U.S. I, I do want to ask you, though, Bob, about this guest list. I happened to uh, get invited to participate in a briefing earlier today. So we got to hear about the speech and we know it's going to be, as you said, progress and possibilities. But we also got to talk a little about the guests. And when you I got the whole guest list and when you look at the guests that Jill Biden has invited before I tell you some of the names and ask you, why are they on this list? Uh, tell us historically how that came about. Like Why these guests? Why is that such a big deal? Well, I, I, I don't know whether or not the it was the origin of the idea, but in his speech at the 1980 Democratic Convention, toward the end, uh, Senator Ted Kennedy talked about the people, and, and in many cases using their names, that he had met around the country and what he had learned from them and what they meant. Uh, and then after we had the plane crash uh, in Washington, I think it was in 1982, and a guy named Lenny Skutnik went into a frozen Potomac River and and uh, help, help to rescue people. Uh, uh, President Reagan invited him to the State of the Union. And since then, it's been a kind of standard trope. You've had people there who exemplify issues you care about, issues you're going to talk about, or places in the speech 
where you'll say something and the camera, the, the directors for the networks mm -hmm. will know, turn the camera on this person in the first lady's box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looking at this list, some interesting characters. Uh, the lead singer of YouTube, Bono, is going to be in that box tonight. Uh, is that a, a weird choice for the president and first lady? I don't think so. Uh, he's been very involved in AIDS in Africa and in combating AIDS in Africa. President may refer to that. I don't know. I haven't seen the speech, obviously. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, and, and they like each other. <laughs> I mean, that's a, you know, that's a good reason. You know, that's another good reason. But I think that I think that there will be in some way there may be some reference that involves him. Well, this one is very clearly a part of the political agenda of Joe Biden, and that's the ambassador of Ukraine. Uh, we know that the, the Democrats are bracing for a fight with Republicans about aid to the Ukraine. Uh, what do you think the president is going to say about Ukraine in this speech? And, and clearly, I know he's going to recognize the ambassador that's joining the first lady. Well, I want to be fair, by the way, because a, a lot of Senate Republicans support the president on this and support the idea that we have to, to, to help Ukraine. And the truth of the matter is that the House Republicans who are against this are going to scream and yell and make a lot of noise, and they're not going to get aid to Ukraine cut off. It's not going to happen. Mm. There are even enough Republicans in the House who, joining with the Democrats, will see that we do pass aid to Ukraine and, and do what we have to do. Uh, I think he'll say that it was a war of aggression by the Russians, that the Ukrainians have been unbelievably brave and bold in defending their country, mm -hmm. uh, and that it's a test of NATO and of the free world and of our own fundamental mm -hmm. values to stand with these folks, not for us to get in a war with Russia, but to stand by and help people who've been invaded by Russia. Mm. Yeah, there's also a cancer survivor. We know cancer is really important to Joe Biden. So he has a, a woman named Daphne Gaffney. She's from North Charleston, South Carolina. She's diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. So she's a cancer survivor. Uh, does Biden go back to cancer because of his son, Bo? Is that why you think that? Uh, it's, it's, very, it's very personal to him. Uh the cancer moonshot, uh, the phrase he has mm. for it, uh, is something that I would be surprised if he didn't mention tonight. Uh, you know, if in the history of State of the Union messages, uh, I, in one of Richard Nixon's, he called for a massive investment to prevent and cure cancer. So this has been a long struggle. And by the way, we've come a long way in 50 or 60 years in terms of how we deal with cancer and in the, in the survival rate, not for all cancers. I mean, the cancer Bo Biden had, the same cancer that Ted Kennedy had, is pretty much totally incurable. I mean, there may be one or two people who've survived, but it's pretty much totally incurable. Uh, so I think this is personal to the president. I think he'll mention it. And by the way, it's personal to tens of millions of Americans. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and the parents, the parents of Tyree Nichols, they are, are in the first lady's box as well. We know that uh, from this briefing, police reform is a big issue for 
the president, how does he navigate these waters though, Bob? You know, we went that we went down the defund the police. Uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about that and Democrats, some some thought it was a great way to approach reforming police. Others thought it, it was, you know, deadly for certain Democrats who were running in more conservative districts. How does the president thread this needle around police reform, particularly with the parents of Tyree Nichols sitting in that box? Well, well first, Ariba, I want to say I wish the parents of Tyree Nichols weren't in that box. I wish they were home with their son. Absolutely. Uh, and this is something that has had a searing impact, I think, on the conscience of uh, most Americans. Uh, you know, so did George Floyd. But this this was not one police officer or two or three. This was a whole cadre of them. And as mm -hmm. you said earlier, tw you know, sending pictures out of a, of a bruised, beaten and dying man. I mean, it's inhuman. Uh, on the substance of the issue, it's going to be very tough to get things done. I just have to be honest. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, even Tim Scott, the Republican senator from South Carolina who tried to negotiate with Democrats on this, for example, is opposed to anything that touches qualified immunity, which is what protects so many police officers, even in cases of misconduct. Uh, yeah, but that's I think, a big uh, part of that George Floyd and policing bill that has been stalled uh, and now would have to be reintroduced and probably wouldn't make it in, in this Congress, I would think. Uh, you know, I think there's a chance it could make it through the Senate. I don't I think there'd be a lot of party discipline in the House to block it. Uh, and you do have to in the Senate now, you'd have to get nine Republicans before it, assuming that you would hold Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema uh, voting with you. Uh, but this is a fight that's going to have to go on for a while. You know, mm. if you think back to, to Little Rock in 1957, uh, you know, it was eight years later that the Civil Rights Act finally passed. Uh, right. You know, this is going to be a, a, a real struggle and it's going to take a while. Uh, well, but it's something that has to be done. What, that the Civil Rights yeah, the good news is that the activists and the advocates, they understand they're in it for the long run and they understand that, you know, passing major pieces of legislation like police reform and changing the culture, not just the legislation, because what we saw with, you know, the unfortunate, uh, the intentional and unfortunate, unfortunate murder of Tyree Nichols is the culture of policing has to change. And we know legislation can't change the culture. I, I, before I run out of time, I do want to ask you, Bob, all this talk about replacing Kamala Harris on the ticket, uh, who's floating these uh, press releases? Because this somebody's out, you know, quickly uh, typing up press releases and sending them out to the media. There's no chance in hell that Joe Biden is going to replace Kamala Harris. But why all the hoopla about that? Uh, you know, it goes with the job. And to some extent, you know, vice presidents can always, people can say, what are they doing? Uh, you, you know, that they're not living up to expectations, not helping the president enough. Uh, I suspect some of her rivals or at least people who support her rivals are doing this. <laughs> Most of them don't put their names to it. Uh, there is yeah, there are always also, these anonymous people that say they want to replace the vice president or these anonymous people don't want Joe Biden. And of course, the report reporters say, well, we can't reveal our sources. So we never get to know who these so-called, you know, 
party loyalists because they'll say even the Democratic Party loyalists or strategist, they'll say a strategist or and some there are a couple people to be fair who have put their names to these comments. There's a lawyer named Morgan in Florida who has been a big Democratic fundraiser who has who's been quite overt about saying this. Uh, Kamala Harris is not going to be replaced on the ticket. Uh, no. She's Joe Biden, in my view, assuming that we have a good economy, inflation is under control, uh, and uh, and he's in good health, is going to run and is going to get reelected, and she's going to get reelected. I guess you saw that poll. I'm sure you saw it, uh, the ABC poll that put Biden in Trump in a one-to-one, and it had Trump actually winning. Again, I don't put a lot of faith in these polls. We know these polls had a celebrating Hillary Clinton's victory that didn't happen. But what did you make of that? This, even if there's a poll out there that suggests that Donald Trump beats Biden in a you know head-to-head matchup. I, I, I don't believe that poll, and nor do most Republican strategists who will talk to you privately and say what they think. Uh, uh, you know, Governor Chris Sununu, a Republican in New Hampshire, said it overtly uh, this weekend that, that Donald Trump couldn't win. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Christie has said basically the same thing. I agree with that. I mean, all you have to do is look at what happened to Trump candidates like Kerry Lake and Laxalt in Nevada, who was running for the Senate. Kerry Lake in Arizona is still running around saying, She's going to be sworn in someday. Yeah, uh, she you know, tried voters, to file a lawsuit. Yeah, that yeah, nowhere, she, so. yeah, well, the lawsuit's still there. I mean, yeah, but the voters rejected this kind of stuff so that you had a lot of Republicans down ballot winning in Arizona. Uh, but you had a lot of them not voting for her, either skipping the race or actually voting for the Democrat, Katie Hobbs. So I think all the indications are Trump. Trump's lost three elections in a row, 2018, 2020, and 2022, where he was the dominant issue in many ways. And he's, you know, and and the Republicans have the worst performance that you can possibly have, or not possibly, that you can have in a midterm historically. And the Democrats had the best performance that they've had since 1962 and JFK in his first term in a midterm election. Well, you heard it from Bob Schrum, veteran political analyst, goes all the way back to the 1970s when Ronald Reagan was president, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden will remain the Democratic president and vice president candidates. They are going to win. They're going to beat Donald Trump. So you've got it from the horse's bow. Thank you so much, Bob. Always a pleasure to see you, my, see you, my friend. Uh, be well. After you too, you too, and I hope... Sports. You too, and I hope I'm right. <laughs> okay, we're going to, after some news, traffic, and sports, we're going to continue this conversation with political comedian Joey Novick. Stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580. Ariva time is the right time. More of Ariva Martin in real time when we come forward. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. This is Ariva Martin in real time, and I'm your host, Ariva Martin, and we are tracking the biggest news story of the day, and there is no story bigger than the State of the Union about to take place hmm, about 20, 15 minutes or so. So this is your pre-State of the Union coverage. We've been talking to Bob Schramm. We had Congress member Robert Garcia on. We had LA Times columnist and a professor 
from University of Central Florida. Now we're going to have some fun. My friend, lawyer, political commentator, and most importantly, a political comedian, Joey Novick, is in the house to help us, oh, just relax and de-stress and get ready to watch the State of the Union with just a very calm state of mind. Just Welcome, breathe, Joey, and thank just you. Just breathe with me. Inhale, exhale, and we'll uh, be calm. Yeah, hey, uh, thank you for having me on. It was uh, very interesting predictions by uh, Mr. Strom. Um, Strom and um, I heard him say, uh, th this is what we're saying, we're off the air, is that he predicts that in 2024, uh, uh, the vice president and president will run again and they will win yes. uh, despite the poll. I, I have to vehemently disagree with uh, the gentleman. Um, I really do think that there's going to be a bit of a struggle in the Democratic Party. And um, partially, I think it'll be an unfair uh, because of Joe. Um, uh, you know, we're talking about somebody who would be 81 running for president. And and I have to say that I never really thought I would live in a world where there would be presidents uh, uh, older than me. I mean, I, I I don't, I mean, I think Joe Biden's doing a great job, but you know. Well, let's just... talk about that, Joey. Yeah. Now, is this ageism? Are you saying that Joe Biden, just because he'll be in his 80s, should not be the president of the United States, even if he still has all of his faculties, even if he's sharp, if he no, you know, can still I'm, do the job? I, I do believe that if he ran for president, I would certainly vote for him. I'm a uh, longtime Democrat. I would certainly vote for him and the vice president uh, once again. Um, you know, the things that he has in his favor to run, um, you know, wanting he's going to talk tonight about wanting to establish a billionaire's tax, which uh, I don't think that won't get out of the starting gate with the current, you know, uh, Congress uh, being run by the Republicans. But I do think that just the general understanding of someone who was 80, 81, 82 years old, um, I just don't think that that person would be able to win enough of the uh, votes of very important states uh, to win. And I think that there will be a significant number of Democrats who will feel the same way and believe that, you know, he did the job that he was supposed to do, which is beat Donald Trump. He beat Donald Trump, get uh, the presidency back for the Democrats, and it's time to uh, have him move on. Again, I, I'm big Joey, fan of Joe Biden. You, you forget that old white men have a special place in this country. That's why Joe Biden is the president today yes. is because we're like, old white man, Trump is running. We need to get us another old white man to run against that old white man. I, and, uh, I, you know, it's like your, your doctor and your priest, you just revere them. So I think there's a lot of folks who think, hey, the old dude is probably our best bet. I've, I've thought about it. I accept your nomination. <laughs> I will um, see what I can do. I'll see what what, what my uh, schedule looks like in running. No, I you know, look, I it, it's it's very true what you say. There are a lot of very good Democrats uh, that are out there. And I think that Joe Biden um, running again. I mean, if the election is actually Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, uh, that would really surprise me. Um, I think that you're not going to have either. I, I think what it comes down to it, I don't think either. Joe Biden or Donald Trump will actually be the two candidates running for their um, 
Well, I hear uh, your prediction, 20. and we're going to have to wait to 2024 to figure that out. Yep. But yep. let's talk about some important stuff, like sure. the motorcade that's driving up. So we're getting blow by blow what's ha- happening. And yep. we know the motorcade has pulled up. And George Santos, what do you make of him? He's mulling around. <laughs> uh, he's invited as his guest. Each congressperson gets a guest. Yep. His guest is a Democrat that actually ran for his seat, who's Pretty controversial himself. Now, this guy said that he was at 9-11, but he was a fireman. He says he was there. His captain or former captain says, no, you were not there. But apparently he has a photo of himself. And we know that George Santos said his mother was in a building on 9-11 and that, you know, she perished in that building. We know that's not true. His mother wasn't there. there. You know, His mother was look, a maid. She was not a financial service worker. So talk to us about George I, Santos. I, I, will, I will tell you, I've, I've been doing stand-up comedy, I guess, about 23, 24 years. And I've done a lot of political comedy over the years. There are some things, uh, there are some people, there are some incidents that just simply write themselves. They write the jokes for you. And that's what George Santos has done. I mean, you know, the idea that he was able to just fluff on his resume, it's like he was applying for a job at McDonald's and just put on his resume all of these things that he was the manager, that he did this, he cured cancer, he negotiated a peace treaty at the end of the Vietnam War, he was he was formerly the president of the United States. It's like he could put anything on his resume and in his district, which the district is cut Republicans, so no matter who won that uh, primary the Republican was likely to win. I think the Republicans should be a lot more angry at him than the Democrats are for allowing him to run and win uh, in a primary like that. Well, the Republicans are pretty pissed off, and many of those Republicans in New York, which is the state he's representing, yes. have called for him to resign. He's been steadfast uh, in not resigning, but he's pretty isolated. He's mulling around oftentimes in the Capitol without anyone to talk to him. No one wants to be seated next to him because they're fearful that when Saturday Night Live does their parody of uh, Santos, that they're going to somehow be attacked as well or be the subject of, you know, comics I, I, like yourself. See, if I were him, what I would do is I would resign and then show up the next day anyway just like he lied about resigning, just show up anyway and just lied that you ever resigned. I think that would be a very good thing for him to do. Just do that a couple of times. And I think that they would just get exhausted entirely and say, look, just let him stay. We just won't pay any attention to him. Just let him sit there. Well, yeah, we're going to be watching George Santos throughout the night. And some people, Joey, are just watching the State of the Union, not really to hear what Joe Biden has to say. They'll catch that uh, on social media tomorrow, they're just watching to see who heckles, who stands up, who claps, who makes faces, who falls asleep. What are you going to be watching for? <laughs> I will be. I'll actually, you know, look, I'm, I, I take this kind of seriously. I like to hear what the president has to say. I mean, I'm, I mean, I think what you're going to see is him uh, tout some very important things on a serious level. Uh, the very lowest unemployment rate in more than 50 years uh, is definitely his doing. Uh, Democrats did fine in the midterm. Over the, there was supposed to be a red wave and there was barely even a pink trickle. There was nothing. Uh, Democrats picked up seats in the Senate. Um, and then there was this election where uh, McCarthy, they had to elect McCarthy. They had to have 15 votes, 16 votes to finally become the Speaker of the House. I mean, 
I, I think that he will actually have a very optimistic tone in his State of the Union address. And um, there's going to be a couple of things that he will talk about that are the negatives you haven't heard him talk about, um, you know, immigration or, you know, the so-called border crisis. Inflation is is very high. So I think you'll hear him uh, kind of downplay the negative, up uh, uptick all the positives, and it'll be a pretty predictable uh, speech along those along those lines. Yeah, I, I am going to be watching to see what Kevin McCarthy does. He's finally wrestled that, uh, you know, gavel out of the hands of the Democrats. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, we, we are yeah. hearing that Ilan Omar is uh, not dressed in white. You know, that was a big theme for women, Congresswomen last year. Uh, when we come forward with Joey, I want to talk about some other characters that we can expect to see uh, make their way to the comic uh, circuit, uh, other political sure. characters. Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. She's the real deal. In real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. Clinic near you. The present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. This is Ariva Martin in real time, and I'm your host, Ariva Martin, and we are tracking today's biggest news. I'm also, oh, obviously, that's the State of the Union, which is uh, taking place in about eight minutes. Joe Biden will give his second State of the Union this time. Unlike the last State of the Union, where there was a Democratic-controlled House. Uh, this will be his first State of the Union with the Republicans actually in control. So you'll see Vice President Kamala Harris and Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy sitting behind Joe Biden. We're going to be watching for all of the reactions from the Republicans. We know that they're going to follow the lead of the Speaker. So we're going to see how many times Kevin McCarthy actually stands up, how many times he claps. We're going to see if he makes a bunch of frowns. We're just going to uh, check, uh, check what's happening with him. But I also want to give you an update on this horrific uh, situation happening in Turkey. 8,000 people now have died as a oh, result of this 7.8 yeah. earthquake that uh, ripped through this country uh, Monday morning. Rescue efforts are being uh, delayed because of freezing cold temperatures. We continue to pray for those families. We continue to pray that uh, more people survive and that this death toll doesn't continue to rise. When I first started checking it, it was around 5,000. Now there are 8,000 people who have reported uh, to have died as a result of this uh, earthquake. So again, prayers with those families. Joining me in this last segment is lawyer, comedian, political comedian, Jovi Novik. And we're talking about the fodder that uh, all the, the characters that comedians like you get to use in your stand-up acts. We know George Santos must be big. Uh, who are some of the other political figures that if we are at a local uh, comedy club, we're likely to hear uh, you know, comics making fun of, actually? Well, um, before we begin, I just want to echo your, your thoughts and prayers for those families in the Turkey area. I know that uh, uh, certainly they are uh, under a great deal of pressure, and I wish them well, and I hope that the rescue efforts do succeed uh, there. So I just want to make sure that I mention uh, mention that. Um, uh, certainly, uh, you know, some of the characters uh, that we have today that uh, comedians make fun of on a regular basis, uh, certainly if I had to give a top 10 list or a, um, 
you know, a, a, a four faces on a mountain. Certainly one would be Trump. One would be Mitch McConnell. Certainly Kevin McCarthy has uh, risen to that level. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Lauren Boebert uh, certainly are all on that same in that same list. Um, and certainly on the Democratic side, I mean, I've uh, certainly poked fun at Joe Biden uh, myself and Nancy Pelosi certainly is is open for that. Um, you know, continuing with uh, people like Bernie Sanders and um, uh, oh, Hillary oh my Clinton, God. <laughs> you know, and, you know, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton very much on the uh you know, in the list of anybody who wants to make fun. Um, also, uh, not uh, too far off, uh, you know, the three members of the Supreme Court, all appointed by Donald Trump, very conservative. Uh, they uh, certainly um, are, uh, you know, just very, very important to uh, to stand up comedians because of the nature of their politics. So all of those and more. Well, no shortage of political characters no. uh, we're going to be watching i'm sure there's going to be some new folks that emerge from this state of the union they're going to be memes all over social media tomorrow there will be uh, sound bites and, and we'll get all kinds of faces uh, those cameras do such a great job of, of capturing people in real time right uh, and their real-time expressions Thank you so much, Joey, for joining me. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for helping us find some levity uh, in what is such a you know partisan, am, partisan uh, world that we live in. I am Always going a pleasure to, be, to see you, my friend. I'm going to be doing a frown count. I'll uh, watch Kevin McCarthy and count how many times he frowns, and I will text you the frown count at the end of uh, of, of my watching. Thank you for having me on. I will be looking for the frown count. I'm going to be watching very closely what happens with this State of the Union. Uh, important topics, obviously, the family of Tyree Nichols, his mother, yes, his stepfather in that box. I can't even imagine uh, having to Horror. participate in an event like this after having put your son <laughs> to rest, having to lay your son to rest uh, and having to watch those horrific videos over and over again. Sure. Uh, but... Uh, you know, so much courage and so much, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, class that this family has shown. I'm so incredibly proud of them. Also, I'm going to be watching Marjorie Taylor Greene and some of these other folks who have a history of heckling uh, the president. Some of those these people who are, you know, characters in and of themselves. Watch to see what their reactions are. And also, I'm going to be watching Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, this is the first time he will be uh, sitting in the Capitol at the State of the Union as the minority, minority leader. leader. Sure. Uh, he has a vested interest in making sure that in 2024, he's no longer the minority leader, but that he becomes the majority leader. And we'll be watching Nancy Pelosi because this is going to be the first time in a long time that she wasn't uh, sitting in the Capitol mm -hmm. as the majority or minority leader. And she has to make sure that she doesn't upstage Hakeem. This is Hakeem's moment. Uh, this is, you know, his time to shine. So I'm going to be watching reactions from all of, of not just the Republicans, but those Democratic leaders as well. Uh, lots to uh, see, lots to talk about tomorrow. We'll, of course, unpack everything that happens in the State of the Union tonight. Uh, you uh, Make sure you join us, Ariva Martin in real time. We will be keeping it real in real time, bringing you the latest news stories, expert analysis, and my unfiltered opinions. Uh, the next voice that you hear will be Les Brown. Les is doing a radio residency at KBLA for the entire month of February. Uh, he is the nation's uh, 
motivator extraordinaire and his show is you got to be hungry with les brown news traffic and sports and les brown on kbla talk 1580